Welcome to the Avail Leadership Podcast, where our goal is to help you take your leadership to the next level. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're going to be listening to a special address from Martine Van Tilborg, a marketing architect, serial entrepreneur, and leadership expert. Martine has helped businesses, ministries, and brands increase their influence for years. Today, he's sharing with us about his book, Unboxed, and the fundamental principles behind breaking out of our old paradigms and ways of thinking. As a leader, you want to be continually renewing the way you look at your role and the world around you. Let's take a listen and learn how to do just that. Uh, to get this rolling and this Q&A started today, I had the opportunity to meet Martine uh, in Bogota, Colombia, uh, a while back, and when I was there, uh, I just had an opportunity to, to touch base with him, connect with him, hear a little bit about who he is and what he does. Also had an opportunity uh, to, to connect with Dr. Sam Chan and that opportunity. And I remember when I spoke to Martine, one of the things that I thought was, man, this is a man that has a vision uh, to make an impact in this world, to make a difference in this world. And I'm, I'm so pumped today uh, to jump in with Martine. He, many of you uh, know him, uh, and, and those who know him closely know he is husband to Amy, he is father to Allison, Andrew, and Noah. He is a man of many, many talents, co-founder, co-founder of Avail. Uh, he's a stri- uh, strategic marketing architect. He's a consultant for numerous large organizations. In addition to being a minister, an author, a speaker, and a serial entrepreneur. He's the man of the hour. So Martine Van Tilborg, we are excited to hear from you, Martine. Thank you for giving us this time and opening up your heart and your mind with what God has placed there in this book, Unbox. Martine, you're on. Hey, Virgil. Well, thanks for having me, man. That was quite the introduction. (laughs) You're making me blush. (laughs) I I don't know if I've ever had an introduction like that, but I take Very good. Yeah. So, hey, it's, it's great to be here. Um, thank you. I see in the chat there's people literally from all over the world. I see my friend Oscar from the Netherlands. Welcome, Oscar. Uh, good to have you here. Um, I'm just excited to be here, man. Talk about the book. I love Q&A. So um, if you have any questions, if some of you have read the book and it provoked questions in you and you wanted to pick my brain, ask away. Uh, Q&A is for me the best environment to be in um, and you know it also helps provide relevant content for the audience online here so don't hesitate put it in the chat and I'll be glad to roll with that um, so yeah yeah we're excited Martine we're so excited I'll tell you on a personal level I'm excited because um, you told me you, I remember you telling me that this was going to be a challenge that it was going to test me yeah. Uh, and it really, really has. And I'll tell you, this is, this is my, you know, just, just if you take a look at all of the highlighting that was done in there, I know you can't see it, but anyway, uh, you challenged me to think. And so what I would love to do right now, Martin, is hear from you a little bit about, you know, um, your heart through Unboxed. I know that you pour a lot of just kind of your personal experience, how God has worked in your life and just kind of the message that you have for, for leaders, uh, for people who really want to make an impact and so can you unpack that, you know, share a little bit from your heart, uh, what you had in mind with Unboxed. And, uh, you know, I think all of us are anxiously just awaiting to hear a little bit from you. And then, and then after you share a little bit about that, we'll jump into some Q&A. Yeah, you were funny the other day, man. You, you started show, texting me highlights that you had made of the book. And 
I said, man, it looks like you're going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> you don't know how deep this is going to go. And then the next text was, oh, I got the box cutters. Like, this is driving me crazy. Um, but really, that, that's the whole purpose of the book, right? To think beyond our current realities. Because the fact of the matter is God is so much bigger than what we make him to be. And um, I talk about it in the book a little bit, about you know, how big God is and how small we make him to be, right? And it's not a matter of are we right or wrong about who we believe God is. It's more a matter of how wrong are we about who God is, right? And um, Unboxed really addresses our preconditioned mind that's developed over the years as we grow up in different cultures and environments and different styles of parenting and different opinions and media and our education system all contributes to boxing our mind into a paradigm that really limits God from being able to do what he wants to do through our lives. And, you know, the Bible says in Romans 8 that creation waits for the revealing of the sons of God. So we have a cry to satisfy. And I unpack that a little bit deeper in the book as well. Um, but if you're not going through the unboxing process for yourself, do it for the people that are waiting for you and me to be revealed in the earth. And um, the unboxing process really has everything to do with becoming everything that God has for you. Now, I, I know we say that a lot, you know, as leaders, as pastors, we all have a heart to help people reach their full potential. And it's kind of like an overused saying. Um, but I really believe that. I believe that God has, has, has deposited greatness in every single human being. And that greatness can only get out of us as we're truly becoming unboxed. Because when we go back to the, to the beginning, book of Genesis, right? God created you and me, mankind, in his own image. Now, if you want to know what God's image looked like, we can read the Bible and he says, my name, I go by many names, but if you want to name me, uh, I am who I am. So if God is who he is, then we should simply be. And uh, that is the essence. It was really the working title of the book before I titled it Unboxed, was be, full stop, period. Um, because that sums it up. If we can simply be who we are and supposed to be, we satisfy the cry of creation that's eagerly waiting. Um, so so that's, that's kind of the thing. In, in John chapter 10, uh, the Bible talks, or Jesus talks actually, about the thief. And that really sets the framework for this whole message. Because the thief comes to steal and destroy, right? And when we think about how he does that on a practical level, we think about the obvious destruction that the thief brings, like death, sickness, depression, poverty, um, war, all these obviously negative things. But then Jesus says, I have come to give you life, life more abundantly. And I started to meditate on that scripture at one point, and I started to realize that the most destructive way that the thief manifests himself in our lives is by making us believe that the reality we experience today is that abundance of God 
while in reality there is so much more that he has for us because if we believe that the life today that we live today is it if if the if, if we believe that the life we live is the abundance of god while in reality we're only scratching the surface of what god has for us uh that really keeps us uh in a box it keeps us limited to a certain paradigm where we can only operate within the confines of what we believe is god's abundance and uh you can't hear where you cannot listen you can't see where you can't look and there is a, a scripture in the book of revelation where there's a door open in heaven and a voice comes through the door and paul the revelator or, or paul john the revelator looks up and he sees that door and he hears the voice and the voice has come up here so i can show you things that must take place after this and we all want to see what god has for us in the future we all want to move into the future being everything that god has for us but we have to change our perspective in order to look beyond the door that god has opened for us and he said come up here so you can see and you can't see where you can't look. And in order to look, you need to be elevated to a place where you can start seeing beyond your current reality into the future so you can position yourself to experience everything that God has for you. Uh, in the book, I talk about uh, five steps, and we're not going to go into this. Uh, some of you already read the book, and some of you are in the middle of it. Some of them are going to order it today. But this is... Um, uh, this, the first step starts with awareness. And the awareness of the, of the fact that we are all conditioned in how we look at things, how we look at the world around us, how we look at ourselves, how we look at others, how we look at God. It's conditioned, and the conditioning takes place in our mind. So if we can strip ourselves from preconceived ideas of what life with God is supposed to look like, we can start seeing and moving into a greater reality into the future. So awareness is extremely important. I talk about um, awareness. I have a whole chapter dedicated to it. But the illustration that I'm using is from the book of Zechariah. And some of you might find this interesting because in the book of Zechariah, there is a man with a measuring rod. And some of you know the story. I'm going to paraphrase because I can't... Uh, you know, say it word by word. I'm going to say it in my own language. But this man has a measuring rod and he's on the way to build the city of Jerusalem, the city of God. And he has his measuring rod and he's full of zeal. He's like you and me. He wants to do... His heart's in the right place. He's motivated. He's going for it. And then in the middle of his journey, on his way to Jerusalem, the angel stops him. And the angel says, what do you think you're doing? And he says, I'm on my way building city of Jerusalem. And he says, you better not, because Jerusalem will be inhabited as towns without walls. And me, the Lord, will be a wall of fire around them. And something was, made, something was revealed to this man. He was being made aware that he had assumptions in his thinking, and the assumption was, the city that I'm gonna build is gonna have walls. Obviously, that city that I'm gonna build 
is going to have walls. And if I'm going to build walls, I'm going to need a measuring rod. So the very tool, the very activity that I was planning to do was based on an assumption that wasn't even true. His full plan, his activity, what it is he was planning to do to build that city with the, right, the heart in the right place wasn't even accurate to the blueprint that God had in mind for his city. Isn't that interesting? And then I started to think, what is a measuring rod? A measuring rod is a measuring tool that references a standard that was once created by man. At some point in time, somebody decided that this is a foot and this is a meter. Probably Mr. Meter, right? Decided this is a meter. And everything <coughs> measured since was referenced by a standard that was man-made, not God-made. And the angel says, I need you to remove the measuring rod from your hand because the city I'm building is a city without walls and meter will be wall of fire around you. I'll break this whole story down in one of the, those chapters on awareness. But we all need to be made aware that we have measuring rods and assumptions in our thinking that doesn't only prevent us from building uh, the right thing, but it can even cause us to build the wrong thing. Uh, so it doesn't just keep us away from God's plan, but it even has, has poses the danger that we start developing something that uh, is counterproductive to, to God's plan, if that makes any sense. So that's really what the book is about. It's all about bringing people to a place of, place of freedom where they can fully experience the abundance of God and, and, and live life to the fullest where the thief cannot touch them. So that's, that's the essence of the message. So good. So good, Martin. I just want to take a moment before we continue on, because this is going to get really interesting as we get into Q&A. Uh, we just want to thank everybody who's connected right now. We know in the future, some people are going to be able to see this on demand. But right now, uh, we have uh, wonderful people connected from the United Kingdom. We have people from uh, Nigeria, uh, Maryland, representing Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, we also have uh, people from Baltimore, Dallas, all kinds of places. Thank you to everybody who's connected right now. We are, we are right now talking with Martijn Van Tilburg, the author of Unboxed, Uncovering New Paradigms. He's just kind of opened the door a little bit about, about uh, the heart of this book. And I think, Martin, just hearing you speak right now, I think one of the things that happens to most of us, and, and, and I'm, I'm guilty of it, is sometimes being so content and satisfied with yesterday that we lose focus of, of what God has in store tomorrow. And I think that's one of the things that's really uh, blessed me as I've been reading your book, understanding that even if there have been great victories, God has greater victories in store, and sometimes we get stuck in our box. And I think that's the challenge. That's the heart of the message of this book, Unbox. So let's get into some Q&A. Uh, Martin, there's, there's questions that are already popping up here in our, in our uh, chat that we're receiving. Uh, I want to start off with, with, with this first question. What's one unusual box that you've stepped out of in your leadership journey that most leaders won't even recognize? Good question. Martin? Yeah, wow. That is a good question. Um, I mean, there's so many. Uh, unboxing moments, right? Because it's a, it's a process. It's not like uh, God shows up one day and now you're unboxed. It's a process where you start seeing different things at different times. And uh, I, I, I believe that never stops until the day we die. 
we start seeing greater realities about who God is. And that's going to change our mind on a lot of things. Um, so uh, there's not one example that I can think of. But one thing that, that's going through my mind is, as I was developing or going through this message, as I was going through the process, trying to make sense of the process, looking back to the process and defining of what just happened, um, I had a very, very interesting encounter uh, with God, actually. I went back to my hometown. Uh, it's a little town called Sprankapelle. It's in the south of the Netherlands in Europe. And I grew up there as part of a Dutch Reformed community. Now, I don't know what you know about the Dutch Reformed Church. Uh, I know there are some Dutch Reformed churches in the United States. It, I promise you it's very different there. It's extremely religious, traditions, rules, regulations, can do this, can do that. Um, and I grew up in an environment where I started to resist the religious system that I grew up in. And for a very long time, I just walked away from, from that, looking back to that season in my life, growing up in that environment, left a very negative taste and I didn't want to have anything to do with. Now, the funny story is my uncle was the organ player. Now, the organ was the only instrument that was allowed to be played in church services, right? He was the organ player. And I remember one year we were on vacation with the family and we were sitting in my uncle's house and my whole family was like, we want to see the organ. And it was like a Sunday night. And so, and it was a winter night. It was around Christmas and it was cold and all the memories came back just thinking about having to go to the church, listening to this organ play, right? But everybody else convinced my uncle to go. He had the keys because he was the organ player. And uh, I was convinced my whole life. I mean, I was now unboxed. I was liberated from that limited type of thinking, right? Because God doesn't operate in that small, narrow-minded type of religious environment. So I'm standing by the organ. And my uncle starts praying and I'm like, I'm like in a bad mood. I just want to go home. I just don't want to be here. All the emotions from growing up as a kid, not wanting to be there, they all came back. So I was down and somewhat semi-depressed and he starts playing. And the moment he strokes the keys, the Holy Spirit fell on me. And I'm like, what the heck is this? I'm like, what are you doing here? <laughs> right? And I realized in that moment that two things. One, God, in a weird way, it's kind of an oxymoron, it's a paradox. He respects us so much that he's even able to come down to our level to speak to us in our limited understanding of who he is, right? If you're a Chinese-speaking person, I saw that Andy, my friend from China, uh, signed up for the webinar. If you're a Chinese-speaking person, he's not going to speak to you Japanese. He's going to speak to you in your language. But even in a boxed mindset that's very narrow-minded, God has the ability in his grace to come down to our level and speak our boxed-in language and still touch people's lives. For me, that was probably the, 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 the ultimate unboxing when that happened when I was so unboxed that I created the box out of my unboxed theology, right? But I had to come to a realization that uh, God is even bigger than that. And uh, he showed up in a place where I least expected him 
in the Dutch Reformed Church that I grew up in. And I'm like, what are you doing here? And he showed me that. So that really helped me um, not to limit God, even in the things that I believe we all need to go through mm-hmm. to get a greater perspective of who he is, if that makes any sense. So I don't know if that helps, but that's kind of a story I had to think of when you asked that question. Um, you know, yeah. For sure, for sure. You know, I think, I think it's true. I think we're the ones uh, who we, we say and we declare, you know, there's no limits for God, yet we find ourselves putting limits, you know, and boxing him in when he's created us to live unboxed, as this book says. So everybody who's connected, we are talking to the author, Martijn Van Tilburg, of Unboxed, Uncovering New Paradigms. We're taking some questions here. Martijn, there's some good questions coming in. I, I hope to get to as many of it as I can. Here's another one. Martijn, how do you discern whether something seemingly good is truly God's direction or a subtle strategy of the thief? Wow. Well, that's a good question. Well, first of all, I, I don't think thinking in terms of good is a wrong starting point. Um, that's one of the things I started seeing for myself when I realized that God placed a tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? It wasn't just knowledge of evil. It was also knowledge of good that led to death, which is a paradigm shift for, for, it was for me when I started seeing that. Because if knowledge of the good replaces life, because God wants to eat, have us eat the tree of life, uh, it still leads to death. So uh, if you're always in a mindset that says, is this good or is this bad? I think you have the wrong starting point. And um, you have to ask the question, is what I'm seeing, is what I'm doing producing life, yes or not? And uh, within that spectrum of possibilities, there's a lot of options. Uh, Paul says, you know, all things are lawful. It's not everything's beneficial. So um, there's a plurality of choices that we can make that could all produce life. If we're always looking for knowledge of the good, uh, I think it leads us down the path of death because there's no such thing as the perfect plan of God. That may be a shock, but that's one of the things I discovered as I went through this process because I was always asking myself the question, is this your will or is this not your will? Which really is rooted into that same tree. Is this right or is this wrong? Is this good or is this evil? And um, when God placed man in the garden, he said one thing. And this was before sin entered. He declared it. He said, uh, you can eat from any tree. And that's the ultimate freedom of choice, right? There were so many trees. And, and you had so many choices. The question is, what do you feel like? Bananas? Oranges? It's not right or wrong. Thinking about, oh, if I make this choice, I might miss that perfect plan of God, I think, leads us down a very limited path where we're always working on God's third or fourth or fifth backup plan for our lives. Um, There's a lot of trees we can eat from. So I don't know if that answered the question, but I don't think, you know, asking ourselves the question, is this good or is this the thief? No, what what does this produce, this choice uh, or this view that I acquire, is it producing life, yes or no? Is there fruit that corresponds with what God has in mind? So I hope that helps. 
Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, again, for everybody who's maybe joined us recently, if you haven't yet, uh, you can place your name and where you are connecting from. That really encourages us to know uh, who and where you're connecting from. We are with Martine Van Tilborg, author of Unboxed, Uncovering New Paradigms. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that really struck me, uh, Martine, is that sometimes uh, we might, we might, you know, be in our box because that's our nature. And there might be some good things that, that have happened or even happening. And yet the limitation of the box that we're in will keep us from, as you say, unboxing and experiencing that full life, that, that abundant life uh, that, that, that God promises us in his word. Now, there's, there's a question here from some people that are connected, and I want to jump into it because it's actually, it's actually kind of the same question but opposite. And Martin, I want to see how you want to attack it. Uh, Todd says, as a leader who is unboxed, how do you navigate those you lead to work on being unboxed with you? And then Jill says, on the opposite to Todd's question, my, te my team is unboxed and our leadership is not. How do we navigate that? So, so this is a good kind of double-sided question about when maybe as a leader, you know, you're unboxed, how do you get your team to discover this, you know, uncovering new paradigms? So and then maybe the opposite. Maybe the team sure. is unboxed and the leader is not. So let's go to Todd's question first. You know, I think one thing you need to understand is you need to apply patience. Um, you took how many years to get to the point where you're at today? Um, you can't expect one 40-minute sermon on Sunday morning to do the job. Um, it might be a catalyst for process, but it's probably going to take a lot longer to, to, for that message to mature in people's lives. But the best thing to do is to lead by example, right? Uh, to demonstrate what the Unbox Life looks like and to display the fruit of the process in your life because that becomes irresistible for people to follow. And that's going to make people ask questions. Hey, how come you have these results in your life and I don't? And that gives you the ability to take people on that same journey. And uh, for me, when I wrote the book, I literally wrote it over a weekend. My wife was out of town. And on Friday night, I sat down. Monday morning, book came out. Sure, there were some rounds of edits and some minor additions. But I essentially wrote over weekend. But it doesn't mean I just had that revelation that weekend. This was 20 years of thinking, pondering, praying, making decisions, making mistakes, making good decisions, and looking back and then having the ability to interpret what just happened. And uh, people need time and we need to be patient with people. And you know, we need to speak their language. We need to communicate to them in context of where they are. Um, because if we speak in context of where we are, again, whatever information you give them is gonna be interpreted in context of their paradigm and uh, it's not gonna be helpful. Uh, on the other side, that's really a question I get a lot. Like, hey, I'm unboxed, but my leaders aren't. How can I get my leaders to see what I'm seeing? Um, it's very hard. It's, um, you know, I would almost say impossible, um, but I don't wanna say impossible because that puts God in a box again. <laughs> but um, it, it's really, really, really hard to break out of, no, not to break out, to make your leaders align with you because you're not in that position of leadership. And at the end of the day, um, you know, it, it, it's just gonna be hard. I haven't seen it happen much, let's put it that way. 
So I don't know if that's the answer you were looking for. Um, but my advice would be to surround you yourself with people of like mind that at least have a desire to be unboxed, if you will. Um, that helps. But I don't see, um, you know, I have not seen people change whole organizations or ministries from the inside out. And you see that, by the way, too, if you just look at church history, right? And we're talk to, talking church leadership primarily now, which I'm assuming this question is, is rooted in that anyways. Um, you know, the next movement always separated itself from the previous one. And the status quo is always disrupted by a new idea on the inside. But the status quo isn't necessarily... Uh, as that new idea disrupts that status quo, it often means a new initiative is being born as opposed to the old initiative redefined. And, um, you know, so uh, separation often happens when new revelation comes or new insights come or innovation manifests itself. And it's just, you know, look at history and it's, it's something that, a pattern that I see. So good. So good, Martijn. Again, everybody who's connected, we are talking about Unboxed, Martijn Van Tilborg's uh, new book, Uncovering New Paradigms. Some of you have it. Some of you have read it. Some of you are in the process of it. Some of you are hearing about it. Some of you will get it for free today here on this Q&A call. We're, we're doing some questions and answers. Martijn, you know, something that really hit home with me uh, in the book, you shared kind of just a, a personal experience of, of when God just just kind of spoke to your, spoke to you and you realized that although there was good things that were happening and, 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 you know, you were excited, maybe you envisioned yourself in your box, you know, yeah. forever or for a long time, all of a sudden, uh, just kind of revelation from God comes to your life. And, and sometimes that causes us to have to let go of or destroy or, you know, get rid of a box that we've been in or that we've embraced for a long time. And made me think about a season uh, where I, I, I felt a strong calling on the, of the Lord of my life to step into full-time ministry, uh, leaving a position that I had as a, I got my master's degree as an occupational therapist. I was working uh, at a local hospital in South Florida and pediatric clinics and different places. And, and I just felt a clear call on my, on my life and my, my wife as well, but it was hard. It was hard to, to, to cut that box up, if you will. It was hard to burn that plow, just to use some biblical references. It was hard to, to really take that step. What would you say uh, to somebody uh, uh, Martin, who's asking, as some people have mentioned here, you know, how do you do that? How do you get the courage? You know, how, how is courage involved in this conversation of, of, of unboxing? Because yeah. sometimes it, it's hard, it's, it's hurts, and there's even sacrifice. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's highly sacrificial, right? Because ultimately, it's all about the kingdom of God. Now, Bible talks about the kingdom of God as a rock, that either falls on you or you fall on it. But either way, it's going to hurt, right? So um, I like to even believe it goes as far as it costs you everything to be unboxed. But the reward of it, Bible talks about a pearl. And uh, that pearl drove a merchant to sell everything. When he found that pearl representing the kingdom of God, it cost him everything he had but he was willing to trade everything for the value of the pearl. Now, 
The challenge comes in when we think we have a pearl and we tell everybody around us, pointing at that, what we think is a pearl, that it's worth giving up everything while in reality, we found a rock somewhere and we dropped in a little shoebox and we say, hey guys, now we give up everything for this, this pearl. And I think it's human nature to do that. Uh, there's an illustration when God's people leave Egypt. This was a genuine spiritual God intervention experience that led the people out of Egypt. It was divine intervention. God showed up and had them escape slavery, bondage. A few chapters in, they take a genuine experience <clears throat> and craft a idol. And we think, oh, they fell away from their faith and started serving other gods from foreign tribes. No, they took something, a genuine experience, and crafted an image to represent a genuine experience that was foreign to the actual experience. Pointing at it, saying, this is the God that delivered us. You see the difference? <coughs> they didn't go worship Baal. They just created an image to visualize a genuine experience they just had and pointed at it saying, this is the God that gave us that experience, while in reality, it was a false image. And I think we do that all the time. We ask people to make two conversions, right? We say, oh, become a Christian. And we do an altar call and we pray a prayer. But really we ask people for a genuine conversion to Jesus, but we're also asking them for a cultural limited conversion to who we are as a church or who we have defined we're supposed to be as a church, which in many times, uh, is an image that we've created saying, this is the God and you better serve this because he led us out of Egypt. And so I don't know if that makes sense, but it costs everything um, to do that because the alternative was when this calf was created, it was Moses who ascended on the mountain and everybody else was staying at, at ground level. So there's God's people staying there, and they said this, we can't listen to the voice of God because we will all die. Guess what? That's the power of the gospel. It's resurrection through death, right? You have to die to experience resurrection life. But they were willing to do that. Uh, but Moses was. He was not building no idol. But if the pathway is not death, the result what we do is creating a false image. And uh, we all do it at times. So to answer the question, it's very costly. It costs everything. I remember I was preaching the church in Vermont. Um, and the pastor comes to me afterwards. He says, listen, man, when I process this message, it sounds like everything we've worked for for so many years has been in vain. I'm like, yeah, you've listened well, because so much of what we produce is the result of the box and the paradigm through which we lead, which is extremely limited and oftentimes counterproductive to what it is we're trying to accomplish. 
but nobody's exempt from that, right? Whether you're a church pastor or somebody in the marketplace or, you know, a stay-at-home mom, you all, all have your version of paying that price somewhere. That's a good answer. And, you know, it is, uh, you know, what I've come to understand from this is that becoming unboxed uh, is a high price to pay. But in the end, it's so worth it. It's so worth it to be able to say, hey, it caused me to let go of some safety or some security or some comfort. But in the end, God knows his plan. And I don't want to live it what he wants. I don't want to box God. I don't want to box myself. I want to be able to live that full abundant life that that those, you know, uh, uh, those plans, those futures that, you know, Jeremiah talks about. I want to live that out. Um, we're getting some great questions here on the chat. Unfortunately, we're getting close to closing time. Again, we are talking about unboxed author Martijn Van Tilborg, uncovering new paradigms. I just want to thank people that have been asking questions. Ari, Brooke, uh, William, and a few anonymous questions. I'm thankful for that. Here's a question, a good one, Martijn. Uh, and it's, and it, I remember when I was reading about it, it made me, it really made me think uh, the whole issue of how sometimes when we, when we remain boxed, it really pushes towards, I guess, competition. Uh, here's the question. Uh, you discussed the difference between innovation and optimization and how God doesn't want us to compete with one another when it comes to our callings. Is there ever a time when a little healthy competition is beneficial to leaders? Good question. It is a very good question. Um, you know, everybody who knows me a little bit knows I'm very competitive. Uh, so that kind of contradicts what I write about in my book. But I think competition is a symptom of a deeper underlying issue. Um, I don't think, I don't believe that God created two human beings to be the same. That's just a fundamental belief that I have and um, because we're all different there cannot be competition so if there is competition which oftentimes happens it's usually a symptom of me not trying or me not being who I'm supposed to be that makes any sense or somebody else trying to be me that's the other option uh, many times when somebody innovates Others start following that innovation, right? There was Uber, now there's Lyft, now there's, you know. So there's other people following that innovation and they start competing with the innovator. Well, it's the same in God's world. Uh, if you become who you're supposed to be by definition of divine design, you're an innovator. But the success that brings causes many times, unfortunately, people to model after your example which then they try to be who you are, which then results in competition. Um, so um, yeah, there is competition, uh, sometimes because we're not true to who we are supposed to be, but many times because people try to be us when we reach a level of success in our lives. Very good. Um, I think we have time for one more question here, my time before, before we let everybody know about how We'll do a couple more questions. How about that? Beautiful. Beautiful. And by the way, watching, you're going to be able to get a free book today by being connected here and also some great offers that we have for you. So we're excited you're here. Here's a, here's a question. It's kind of been coming up throughout a few different people. Brooke asked Martine, uh, what do you say to younger people leading their peers 
uh, maybe 20 to 29 years of age. Also kind of connected to that question, what do you say to leaders that are the youngest person with a seat at the table and maybe higher church leadership? Uh, and I guess kind of addressing the young leaders, uh, what advice would you give them in this whole issue of unboxed and how they can be an influence? Yeah, let me think. I, I think I understand the question. Well, first of all, I think we need to understand that the future is always behind us from a generational point of view. So in other words, the generation we raise, the young ones among us, are going to create the future after we're gone. So the future is always behind us. And the second thing I think we need to understand is that every generation is supposed to be, and I'm saying it's supposed to be because it doesn't always happen, uh, play a different role in history. We are kind of like preconditioned in our mind to think that we are the center of the universe, our generation, everything else revolves around us. And it's kind of like arrogant to think that, right? Because God, who sits in eternity, who sees the end from the beginning, gets the full picture in one, from one vantage point. And the question that we need to ask ourselves, who are we in history? And what are we supposed to accomplish as leaders <clears throat> as we're moving the needle forward? If that makes any sense. Realizing that as we do that, that those who come after us will do it differently as they stand on our shoulders. Um, now, I'm saying it's supposed to happen that way, but it doesn't always because people came to the promised land, decided I'm not going to do this uh, because, um, you know, there's giants in the land. The price is too great. We're going to die. Well, yeah, the price is great, as we already discussed. But because the disobedience of a generation to pick up the mantle that was designed for the generation, it shifted to the next one. Um, so with that understanding, I think we need to be extremely open and give a younger generation a seat at the table. Because historically, um, that next generation, if we're not giving them a seat at the table, will separate themselves at some point in time from us. Same principle, right? Status quo, and there's a, a separation that takes place. It's interesting when you read the Old Testament. This is interesting to me. I don't know if it's interesting to you. But if you look at uh, Samuel, Saul, all of them were one generation leaders. All of them. After they died, it wasn't their offspring, it wasn't their sons who took over. It was somebody from a different tribe. It was somebody from a different family. Until David came. And David was the only leader that had the ability to transfer his leadership to the next generation, the next generation, until Jesus came till today, in a sense. So I think we can learn a lesson there. It's one of my next books I want to write. Um, it, it's about that. It's about what made David successful as a leader in, 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 in tra transferring the authority as a leader to the next generation, the next generation. To the next. And there were some rotten apples in there. I get that. But it's interesting to think that the leadership style of all the greats that we talk about did not have the ability to give that to the next generation. So, yeah, the young ones on the, need to be at the table, and we need to understand what, that what God speaks to them is going to be different. But it doesn't mean it's not God, because they play a different role in history.
So good. So good. Uh, for everybody who's connected right now, and I know there's a few that have connected maybe in the last few minutes, uh, Martijn Van Tilburg, author of Unboxed, Uncovering New Paradigms. And let me just say, Martijn, for those who maybe don't know you well, uh, Martijn, just his, the way his mind works is, is very, uh, I think God's gifted you, Martijn, in, in, a, in, a, in a relevant thinking. Uh, you are a strategist. And I think the way you wrote this book, uh, it's so practical and so easy to read for anybody who picks it up, but it's very profound. And somebody was just kind of asking, uh, uh, somebody was just kind of asking a little bit, uh, just simple, kind, kindly explain again what it means to be unboxed. Because I think we might confuse, you know, unboxed with just kind of a simple, oh, don't think this way, think out of the box. I think, I think there, there's a five-step process that, that you talk about in the book, Martine. That's part of the, the meat of the book, this five-step process. And so I have a question here which is basically about step one. Um, uh, what kind of self-reflection or research would you recommend to those who are trying to complete step one of the unboxing process, which is awareness? How can we practically move toward becoming more aware of our boxes? I think this will answer the question of somebody who said, kindly explain what it means to be unboxed. Yeah, it's, it's very simple. Always ask the question to yourself as you observe your own behavior. Why do I do what I do? And is there a better way to do it? Um, because the asking of the why adds purpose to the activity. Um, I remember to illustrate that I, had, I, I spoke at a church in Central Florida once and I walked in, this was a, a more spirit-filled environment and us spirit-filled people get a little funny. We think that we're so free and, and we give God all the space. And, and, and while in reality, most of the time, the only difference is that our service are two and a half hours instead of an hour, 10 minutes, right? So I walk in and the pastor says, hey, we're open for the Holy Spirit here. Do whatever you want. And I hear myself say, this is funny. I said, okay, let's cancel worship. <laughs> I'm like, what did I just say? And he looked at me. I said, yeah, let's, let's cancel worship because I need a little bit more time for the message today because it's going to be a journey. He still squeezed in one song, but then I took over an hour to talk about change, that we need change. And I hit it from any kind of angle, driving home the truth that change is needed to accomplish everything God has for us. So then I sat down, then the pastor gets up and he says, yeah, man, amen. Do we believe that we need change? And and then he said this, which was profound. He said, because who says that we should meet on Sunday morning? Maybe we should meet on Monday. <laughs> so I got back up again. I said, you're asking the wrong question. The question should not be, when do we meet? That's superficial. That's like moving around the furniture in your house. Or should I paint the walls blue or yellow, right? Your question should be, should we meet? Now, in your quest to answer that question, it's going to add purpose to the activity. Now, my conclusion is, yes, we should meet. But I've also found that there are so many better ways to meet to accomplish the desired result. Because when I ask leaders, okay, why do we meet on Sunday morning? Then I get my top 10, right? Oh, we need to worship together, we need to have fellowship, we need to be under the teaching, right? And you get your standard answers, go-to answers that are just pre-programmed in our mind because that's why we meet. 
But if that's truly what we believe, let's meet on Sunday afternoon and evaluate how well we did in those areas and ask ourselves the questions, are there better ways to do this? I promise you, you're going to come up with structures that are going to be 10, 20, 30 times better than how we've always done it. And anyways, so <laughs> I don't know if that answers it. Very good. Martin, you feel up to another question or what? Yeah, sure. All right, let's do it. Um, here's a good kind of practical question. Uh, what does stepping outside of the box look like on an everyday level? How can we know that we're truly beginning to change the way we think and live? Yeah, faith without works is dead. Once you see something, you got to put faith to action. You just got to do it. And sometimes you don't know. Uh, you know, sometimes you go on a limb and you just trust God to <laughs> catch you when you fall, right? Uh, and it's as simple as that. It's like, you know what, God, I invite you to, to broaden my perspective, to let me look beyond, to give me a glimpse of your current reality. It's a dangerous thing to do, by the way. I remember I was watching TV. It was Miles Monroe. Some of you may know who he is. He passed away a few years ago. Uh, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. And I had preached that type of message many times. That day I was watching Christian TV, which I really typically don't do, but I was watching it. And in that moment, there was like a second that I saw the kingdom. It was the weirdest experience. I, I, I saw it for a moment. It was a spiritual experience. And it literally destroyed everything I did that thought I knew about everything. <laughs> like when Moses was on that mountain, right, and God passed by and he was only able to look a glimpse from behind, otherwise it would be too much to handle. And even that glimpse made him glow for days. And it was one of those experiences. I, it just destroyed. I had nothing to say anymore. Everything I had to say had become so superficial and shallow in light of what I just noticed. And um, so... When you see something, you got to act according to what you see, even if you're not sure. Because there's no other way. Moses wasn't sure. You know, there's a, there's a burning bush with a voice. I mean, when we, I like to think when I see a burning bush with a voice telling me to do something, that's uh, probably a sign, right? Gives me confidence. Not Moses. Okay, staff, snake, leprosy on his hand, being healed. Still not enough. And then you know what God said? Moses, this will be a sign to you. It's like the fourth sign. And he says this. This will be a sign to you that I've called you to do this. And you can read it in your Bibles. When you go to Egypt and lead my people out, you'll come back to this place and worship me on this mountain. In other words, just do it. And as you're doing it, I'll prove to you that's me speaking. And you'll remember it was me speaking after it has happened. And you'll worship me. Uh, same with Jeremiah, you know, the great Jeremiah who heard from God. Right? He was the prophet. Prophesies about his uncle or something. The uncle will come and will offer you this money for this plot of land. I think it's like Jeremiah, somewhere in the low 30s, 31, 32. And he detailed, described what the word of the Lord is. Then the next chapter the word of the Lord comes to pass. And then he says this, get this. Then I knew that the Lord had spoken. So in other words, 
The chapter before, he was doubting, but he just wrote it down. And as he took that act of faith, God had the ability to demonstrate himself and manifest that word a chapter later. And I think we can learn from that. These are guys like you and me. And when we start seeing things beyond our current realities, it's just, I just encourage you to do it, even if you're wrong. If God loved you when you were a sinner, he'll surely love you when you try to do his will, even though you're doing the wrong thing. So don't worry about that. It's all overrated. Um, there's safety, safety in that and makes you more relaxed making those kind of decisions. So good. Hey, uh, I just want to mention, we are talking to Martijn Van Tilburg, author of Unboxed, Uncovering New Paradigms. This has been such an insightful conversation. Martijn, you've been getting a lot of love on the chat. I just want to shout out Dr. Sam Chan wrote, Martijn has been amazing, an amazing help to me. He is in charge of all things Sam Chan. What a blessing he is. Uh, Todd, thank you, for, thank you, Martijn, for the wisdom, confirmation, and challenge today. Blessings to you, sir. Uh, Antonia, uh, uh, splendid and inspiring insight. Thanks a million, Martin. Uh, we're getting some great feedback, Martin. I think this has been a, such a helpful time. Um, I think there's there's another question here that might be helpful, especially since there's a lot of leaders on the line. Let's, and, let's, and maybe... let's, let's tell people how, to, how they can get the book and then let's do one more question. For sure, for sure. Yeah. So by the way, everybody, very, very important to know that today you can get Martin's book unboxed for free. Uh, we're giving away the book for free uh, just go to availleadership.org forward slash unboxed. Uh, the team, the avail team is going to be placing the link on the chat as I'm speaking right now. Again, go to avail, avail, beginning with an A, leadership.org forward slash unboxed. The link will be on the chat. Uh, you can use this link. You can share this link. You can share it on Facebook with your friends or social media platforms. So the free book, Unboxed, this is a great offer and there's an even better offer because we want to encourage you not only to get the free book completely free. Uh, we encourage you to upgrade to the master class bundle, the master class bundle for unboxed includes the hardback cover book, which I have here in my hand. It includes the companion study guide here, which is a great resource as you're going along through the book. It also includes the master class videos. It's 10 part, online video course. Uh, this additional content is not only practical and relevant, but it's powerful. I think it's going to challenge you. It's already challenged me in a very personal, personal way. And uh, very important for everybody to know, you can get your free book by going to availleadership.org forward slash unboxed. I encourage you to go a step further and I encourage you to upgrade to the masterclass bundle. And also every month with Avail, we have new leadership books and resources. You know, the Avail journal, the journal is such a blessing. Martin, since you're the co-founder of Avail, why don't you shoot off some more of the uh, opportunities uh, that people can access? Yeah, so, so when you actually, when you claim your free book, I of course encourage you to get the masterclass. It's 10 loaded sessions, like some of the stuff we talked about today, 10 sessions like that. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy that. But when you come to the confirmation page, you see something about Avail Plus, which is our subscription product. And uh, every single month, we release a new leadership book. A, uh, it comes with a curriculum study guide. It comes with, with an online course. It comes with a life class. And it's only $39. Now, the good news is 
on the confirmation page, we'll allow you to test drive this for free for 30 days. And uh, as a, when you click that button, we're gonna add Sam Chan's book, Secrets to Success, Sam Chan's study guide, Sam Chan's course and class, all in that same purchase at no additional cost. So when you get to the confirmation page, add that and we'll send you Sam's whole bundle at no additional charge. So you wanna do that. And then to your point, the Avail Journal, uh, the next one is coming out in the next 10 days or so. And it's gonna be incredible. There's, it's gonna be thicker than the first one. And um, you know, the feedback we've gotten on the first one uh, has been incredible as well. And there's another page, if you go through the process that will allow you to click a button that will add the next Avail Journal also to your order free of charge. So make sure you check that out uh, because all these deals are no brainer. Free book, free 30 day trial Avail Plus that includes a full bundle and a free journal. Um, if that not, don't excite you, I don't know what is, but uh, it's a pretty sweet deal. <laughs> I love, I, I'm excited. I don't know about anybody. Else. I'm excited. I think there's people excited everywhere right now. Uh, what, what's, what great offers? Again, get your free book unboxed. I already finished it. Probably going to have to review some more things and, uh, uh, and pray about some things. What a, what a great book, Martine. And also, uh, like Martine just mentioned, you can upgrade, uh, upgrade to the Masterclass Bundle, get the companion guide, get the access to the videos, which is great resources. And then if you go to that Avail Plus, let me tell you, I'm already on it. I don't know what you're waiting for. Make sure you go and do that. You know, our heart with, with Avail is, is to really uh, produce and provide and uh, empower leaders, Christian leaders everywhere, uh, and, and just encourage you to grow in the art of leadership. That's what Avail is all about, growing in the art of leadership. Martine, uh, this has been such a great time. I, I, there's one question I want you to finish up with. Yes, uh, let's do it. Because I, I really think I that a lot of... <laughs> we, can, we can stay here all day. I think there's a lot of leaders uh, who, who will appreciate uh, the answer to this question. And again, thank you to everybody who's been participating in our chat today. Man, it was such great uh, feedback, such great words of encouragement. So here's the last question, Martine. How can we as leaders organize and effectively run our organizations while still promoting a culture of diversity and uniqueness? It sounds kind of like it's two different things, but or opposite things, but how can we do question. this? It's a good question, but the first thing that comes to mind when you ask me that, it's again, based on a preconceived idea that diversity opposes uh, leadership, right? It's, it's, like, it's like challenges the way we lead our organizations. So on the surface, it kind of sounds like a paradox. How is that possible? It's contradicting, mm -hmm. right? It's like an oxymoron. Um, but the question you can ask, you should ask yourself, is there any other way to lead, right? Than through diversity. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie, what's it called? The Patriot, Mel Gibson. Have yeah. you seen the movie? Good well, movie. Great movie. And you know how they, they lead the, the militia army and they try to defeat the other guys by fighting them the same way they're fighting. It's just a numbers game. They're lining it all up and they're being slaughtered. And then they say, everybody go home, meet me in the swamp in two weeks if you're still in. And they start organizing themselves based on diversity. 
and uh, they start capitalizing on their strength. And now a small militia defeats the overwhelming size of the enemy's army. Uh, so the question I think should be, is there any other way to lead than through capitalization on diversity and different skill sets? Um, because the strength of an organization lies in exactly that. So um, diverse, diversity is not your enemy. Another thing I like to say about that, because uniformity, let's put it this way, uniformity is a wilderness mindset. Uniformity is a wilderness mindset. It required uniformity to survive the wilderness, but it also required diversity to inherit the promise. Let me say it again. It required uniformity to survive the wilderness, but it also required diversity to inherit the promise. And as long as we lead by enforcing uniformity, we lengthen the wilderness season. And I think we need to understand that. If that's your paradigm as a leader, it keeps you from becoming everything God has for you. And um, yeah, I think that answers So good. Question. So good, Martin. Hey, um, before I kind of close off and dismiss everybody, Martin, any last words that you want to uh, share with everybody? No, I mean, I enjoyed it. Uh, today, I thank you all for signing on. Um, if you want to connect with me, send me an email. I'm asking Allison on my team to drop my email address, martine at foreversmedia.com. Allison, can you do that? Uh, send me an email, connect with me on uh, Facebook's probably the best way if you want to. Um, and yeah, I'm an open book, so uh, connect if you want. If you want to continue the conversation, I'll be glad to do so. Uh, but thank you, uh, Virgil, for hosting this. I had a lot of fun. I hope you had too. And uh, yeah, till next time. Definitely, definitely. Martin, thank you for your time. Thank you for uh, putting in, in book form what the Lord placed on your heart. The book is Unboxed, Uncovering New Paradigms. The author is Martin Van Tilborgen. And you know, Martin, when I ask you kind of the heart, what's ultimately the heart? You mentioned a key word, which is so powerful. And you said, ultimately, it's about freedom. Uh, it, it's It's... It's, it's this freedom that we can live in that a lot of times, even when we know God, even when we're doing great things, we haven't tasted that true, complete freedom. So I want to encourage everybody, get your free book today by going to availleadership.org forward slash unboxed. Uh, in addition to that, I want to encourage you to upgrade to the Masterclass Bundle. And if you haven't taken a look at the Avail Plus membership, Avail the Art of Leadership, producing content that is practical and relevant for leaders for christian leaders today hey we love you all we're thankful for all of you connecting martin thank you for this wonderful book and on behalf of the avail leadership team we hope to see you soon on another call with great things in store god bless you all see you next time we hope you truly benefited from that insightful conversation with martin van tilborg you can get your copy of unboxed for free today at availleadership.org forward slash unboxed. Don't miss your opportunity to sign up for the Unboxed Masterclass and find out all the other amazing value offers Avail has for you at availleadership.org. Thank you for joining us today.